all of these things, I think were preparing me to work in a nonprofit organization that involves teamwork and collaboration and empowerment, helping people fit in their own skin and be okay with not assimilating into all of the colonialized ways of being and to appreciate being an individual and unique. Hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Miigwech for joining us. So Native Lights is, at its core, a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Every week we have wonderful conversations with great guests from a whole lot of different backgrounds. Policymakers, healers, artists, education leaders, you name it. We find these people, we see if they're cool talking to us, and then we talk with them about their story. Uh, which includes their gifts and how they may be sharing those gifts with their community. And it also centers around this big point of purpose in our lives. And we're doing that today, and I can't wait to hear another episode presented by my sister Leah. And uh, so how's it going? (laughs) Yeah, it's good. You know, today, uh, as we're we're chatting here, um, all my men are home and running around (laughs) behind me, so you might see them. And hear them grabbing snacks from their refrigerator. So just FYI. It happens. Here, here he comes looking guilty. Um, <laughs> so today we are talking with somebody who invites art into her life in many respects. Uh, Christina Woods is a citizen of the Boys Fort Band. And she's the executive director of the Duluth Art Institute. And check this out. She is currently performing in the play The Unplugging, which is being presented by New Native Theater in Mm. Minneapolis. So I spoke with her um, over the weekend while she was getting ready to work on the production. So she's like kind of outside. There's a little bit of traffic around her. She's right on site where they're going to hold the performance. Gotcha. Which is pretty neat because they're holding the performance at the spot where... Migazi Communications was and Gandhi Mahal was, or before they were, yeah. um, they succumbed to fire and water after uh, the aftermath of George Floyd's murder last year. So this year, New Native Theater is back with live performances September 2nd, and the play runs through September 19th. And, you know, we'll repeat this information later, but the director and playwright is Yvette Nolan. And so Christina and I talk about a lot of things, but first up, we're going to hear a a bit more about, you know, who she is and what she's doing as far as the play goes. And then we'll talk more about uh, her work and some more specifics with what she does and how she got there. Sounds good. Yeah. So here is my conversation with Christina Woods. I'm Christina Woods, known as Anamikikwe. I am from the Boys Fort Nation in northern Minnesota. I live in Duluth, but consider Lake Vermilion my home. And where are you talking to me from? I am in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and I am 
at the site of the restaurant Gandhi Mahal that was um, burned down during the protests. So I'm like right in a space where I hope what we're doing brings a lot of healing to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Great. So before we get into talking more about where you are and what why you're there. Uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about you and what you do, how you spend your time. What is your how do you spend your time in your life? I spend a lot of time with family and friends and of course working. I I feel like I feel like I work a lot. <laughs> but what I do is so rooted in Anishinaabe ways of being and the heart way. It's just part of what I would be wanting to do every day of my life anyway. I feel like we have some commonality there. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Sunday morning, psh, yeah, of course, I'll talk with you. It's like not even work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have to admit, I forgot today was Sunday. <laughs> I know. When I saw your text, like, I thought Sunday, and I'm like, me too. <laughs> Saturday today. <laughs> well, we spent nice? we spent hours on the site yesterday um, with an intimacy director learning how to do gunfights and things. So oh, I'm boy. just like lost time. <laughs> oh. Well, then how about we talk a little bit about what you're doing now? Since um, then, maybe we'll switch the conversation over into your. Um, I don't want to say main job, but like, you know, what usually takes up your time. But yeah, let's let's talk about why you're in Minneapolis now and um, why you needed an intimacy director and all that stuff. So Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> I have a love scene <laughs> with a much younger man. Oh, boy. Like, wow. <laughs> I know. The, you know, post-apocalyptic lifestyle is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I am just so honored to be cast in a play called The Unplugging and to work with the director who is also the playwright, Yvette Nolan, who's from Vancouver. And she's brilliant. This script is brilliant. The nuances, the humor, the trauma, the tragedy, just all of it is so beautiful. And how she tells the story of rebuilding through a matriarchal lens, all of the following community, healthy relationships between women and women, healthy relationships between men and women, rebuilding family. Oh, it's going to make me cry. Rebuilding community. And to be here on the site of Gandhi Mahal, were some of the most raw expressions of human need for connection and righteousness and justice happened here. And that's what this play is about. It's about finding our way back, but using a matriarchal sense of leadership and mm -hmm. elder leadership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so lucky. And I play Burn and it's, I'm in every scene. I've had a lot of memorizing to do. And, you know, this is the first time I've acted. This is the first play I've, I've been in musicals and ensemble roles in college, but I've never been 
the lead. And I am just amazed that I have the capacity to memorize everything and do all that. And I'm so honored to work with the other actors, Alicia Garcia and Raymond New and the production team and the tech team and the costume designers and and what they've done, what all of these other people have done for all of us actors to really help us like build a new world is amazing. It's really amazing. I feel so honored. Yeah, that's really, really wonderful. Can you tell me like maybe a two-sentence uh, description of the plot? It's post-apocalyptic. Two older women in their 50s get kicked out of their community because they're not useful anymore, according to the Lord of the Land. And they have to survive and they figure out how to survive using traditional Anishinaabe teachings that have been handed down that they hadn't been using, but had to like dig deep into the archives of their memory to remember how to do. Wow. It seems like we could all learn a little something from that too. So that's really cool. How did you find yourself, Christina? How did you find yourself in this lead role? Honestly, I thought I was in a script reading class. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that says about me because I'm pretty sure it said auditions. And I just thought I was in a script. I like, (laughs) learn how to read a script. And I I had most recently been in a class, and this is all through New Native Theater, which they have great classes. Um, anyway, so I was in these Zoom, I think there were three or four of these gatherings reading through this particular play, and I was invited to play Burn. And you said you haven't acted before in this capacity. Well, no, I mean, I've done Native Report, and you, as you know, with interviewing and being on camera hosting and narrating. There's acting that goes into that, Mm. you know, because you want it to be interesting and you want your voice to have inflection and do all the things that hold someone's interest when they don't see you on camera. So I had that, but I didn't know how to like be inside of my body Mm. in a created world and deliver memorized lines (laughs) with certain cues and where I need to stand and do this on this word and wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and it's so much fun. It really is. That's really great. So you're in tech week now and Mm -hmm. I know that's a lot of uh, Mm -hmm. time and commitment. And then when, when are the performances? So we open on September 2nd. So we'll run that through Sunday and then um, we will, we have a couple days off and then we have performances starting on the 8th and those will run straight through the next Sunday. And then we have a couple days off and the next set of performances are the 16th through the 19th. Okay. Yes. And I'm not the only bird. The cool thing about this is out of those 14 performances, I perform seven and then the other team performs seven. So there's a whole nother team. And our performances are slightly different because as people, we come at the script slightly different and how we interpret it. And so the directors allowed us to do that, which is really cool. So the other team is Liz Jackala, 
and Alicia Smith and Josh Simpson. Excellent. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to check it out. <laughs> and I can't wait for others to as well. Yes, um, everyone should come. You will have to bring your own chair. It is outside and it's rain or shine. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. And today we're hearing from Christina Woods. Christina is a citizen of the Boys Fort Band and is the executive director of the Duluth Art Institute. So now that we've talked a bit about Christina's adventure into acting, we're going to switch gears and talk about her main gig at the Duluth Art Institute and her path to it. So here we are again. Christina, let's talk a bit about what you do in um, your other day-to-day reality. Mm, I'm the luckiest person in the world. I feel my like my life. It's just so fortunate. I am the executive director of the Duluth Art Institute. And that is such an amazing job to have because of the ability that we have as an organization to really make a difference for visual artists in Minnesota. We've changed this predominantly white institute that's 114 years old Mm -hmm. to a BIPOC-led institute, and it's made all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And how did you, what was your path to becoming uh, the executive director of Duluth Art Institute? Well, I think my path started long before I even knew that it was my path. Um, I really didn't realize how much visual art I was using in all the aspects of my life. When I, I was an elementary public school teacher for about 20 years. And I, you know, I, I go all the way back to my first and second graders and teaching them conflict resolution skills using art and teaching them how we can disagree about stuff. We don't have to dislike the person. We can just dislike stuff about what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so it became, you know, part of the school district curriculum to use art in that way, which is really cool. Um, and then I transitioned into another career after staying home with my kids for a while. I started a construction company. Heck yeah. And I, well, I employed Boys Fort tribal members and subcontractors that were Native-owned businesses. And we used art. And so we'd use art to talk about building teams and how we can look at things from different ways and where art takes place in the construction trades and the aesthetics of even the interior of what we're doing. If you're working with an electrician, There's an art to that. I mean, you want it to look a certain way. And so that lens has always been present for me to explain different aspects of the world or explain human behavior, um, to create opportunities for conversations. It's just been embedded in me and I didn't really realize it until I got to the Duluth Art Institute and people would ask me the question you asked. And I at first started out with, I don't know. I just found my way here. But all of these things, I think were preparing me 
to work in a nonprofit organization that involves teamwork and collaboration and empowerment and um, helping people fit in their own skin and be okay with not assimilating into all of the colonialized ways of being and to appreciate being an individual and unique. And so I found myself um, as a consultant, the organization was trying to figure out if they could keep their doors open. And working with the board and the staff, we carved out a rough path. Mm-hmm. And part of that process was to hire an executive director. And I had a, another co- consulting job lined up. I was ready to move on. And they offered it to me. And it took me maybe three seconds <laughs> to say yes, because who wouldn't want to work in the arts? Mm-hmm. So it that's, and that's how that all came together. So I'm really grateful to the board of directors who saw that in me. I didn't see it in myself. And they really showed me that light. Can we back up just a minute? You mentioned conflict resolution through art. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're, I mean, we are in a highly conflicting time, it feels like. Yes. And wow, con- conflict resolution through art, what does that mean? Yes. And, and how could you see that playing out now? Well, I I have a workshop that I've put together for the Duluth Art Institute. The other thing I do, I'll just say, is I am, it sounds kind of funny, but it's the true acronym, a JEDI consultant, Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Consultant. I love it, too, because I love imagining myself with a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to cut through all this BS and fix it. <laughs> anyway, so there... I I commissioned a piece of art from an artist I know, and I'm not going to say much about her because if you take my workshop, you learn about her. It's an anti-bias workshop. Her piece of art stirs up a lot of controversy. And through the controversy that gets stirred up for each individual, people are able to unravel and find one unconscious implicit bias that they use to make their life easier and make decisions about a lot of things that create barriers for BIPOC people. So this this particular workshop is just for white people. And we go through a lot of constructs and really start to help them apply all this diversity training that they've been getting throughout the years. So you have this particular workshop, you have to come prepared with some shared agreements. Like you agree there's white privilege out there. You agree you participate in racism. You agree, you know, that you get caught up in white fragility or whatever. So that is one way that we use art. Um, There's so many things that art can provide exhibitions that folks can go to that offer didactics to really get you to think differently about history or a historical event or an experience someone has had or an impact that you may not have realized has occurred through sometimes a law that exists. 
<laughs> I'm kind of on this roll right now where I'm talking about art and how the medical system and our government still does not view Anishinaabe medicinal practices, wedding practices, spiritual practices. They're all not legitimate. They're not covered by insurance. You still can't. You still got to go through extra steps to have a legitimate marriage if you want a marriage. And I'm, I'm seeking art to get people to ask questions about that so that they can do their own self-discovery about how whiteness, what it does to delegitimize the way of life of people here and around the world. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're hearing from Christina Woods. Christina is a citizen of the Boys Fort Band and is the executive director of the Duluth Art Institute. I asked Christina about how art can teach by showing, um, continuing that conversation, and how it can give us these moments of realization. Um, So here Christina is going to share more about a current exhibit at the Duluth Art Institute that does just that. We have an artist being shown right now. She's actually from Austin, Texas. She tells the story through her work of the Tignan Law in Louisiana. This was a law in the 1700s that forbid free Black Creole women to show their hair, and they had to wear head wraps. And the reason for it was so that white men would not fall in love with them. That is the law. So she found this law and she did, like great artists do, a lot of fantastic research. And she is a textile artist and created these beautiful replicas of head wraps that existed during that time. Because what these women now did is used fashion as a form of rebellion. Mm -hmm. And they made elaborate, beautiful head wraps, sold them, made lots of money with them. White women were wearing them. Everyone was wearing them, right? So they took the subjugation and oppression and used it to rebel. And so Chesley Antoinette has created, um, we have 50 of her head wraps. And then she had models kind of in contemporary clothes wear the head wraps in different settings and had a photographer come in and take those photos. So you're going to get the actual head wraps and their beautiful textures and adornments and amazing photography of beautiful black women and these amazing didactics that talk about real people during that time Mm -hmm. and what the power of laws to change opportunities for groups of people for so many years like this is hundreds of years and what that impact looks like today and how hard it is for us to see it because we just see it as normal like this is the way it's always been we don't even really see like the the need to have laws that protect people's hair so schools can't say "Mm, cut it right or anyone so there's just so much power that exists within the system of whiteness yeah. that we need to we need to have these stories out there. So all of us who are used to that system of whiteness can then 
realize where we're living in that whiteness because mm-hmm. we've we all participate in it. Yeah. Yeah, when I realized that uh, the word professional was like mm-hmm. equated with looking white, mm-hmm. that just blew my mind. I was like, this makes so much sense. So that's why, you know, you can't have what, you know, your cultural hair or, yes. you know, certain like symbolic tattoos and like all, you know, yes. your clothing and all of that stuff. It all has to adhere to the white aesthetic. We shouldn't have to work so hard at building that understanding. It should just be okay after explaining it once. That should be enough. And I get I get having to explain. I mean, there's just a lot of people that don't know a lot of things cuz when you are assimilated and living, you know, under a, you know, in a bubble, there's a lot you don't know. And I don't want people to feel punished for trying to learn. But then there's those who are just like not trying to learn. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's definitely a difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there maybe any words of wisdom or anything like that as far as like taking care of your your fellow community or uh, encouraging others to share their gifts or anything like that kind of from that that theme? I guess I would say to really honor your integrity and follow your heart. And when faced with challenges or conflicts, to really think about going through the heart way and not backing down, but really figuring out your way to be strong to uphold your beliefs and to try and teach. It's, it can be frustrating, but I have learned over my 53 years that if I have continuity in my messaging, and this is like true with parenting, right? If I have continuity in my messaging, it might take 700 times, but it's going to sink in. But I need to keep saying it the same way. Great. Well, miigwech, Christina, for taking time to chat. Mm, Um, Really enjoyed hearing, you know, a bit more about you and a bit more about your path. And of course, the play. Um, Yes. So break a leg. Well, I adore you. (laughs) Thank you. I adore you, Leah. Gotcha. It's incredible. We're doing it. We're out there doing it. So big... Chimi Gwech to Christina Woods for sharing. Um, Really fun, easy to laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Really enjoyed talking with her. Yeah, I loved how uh, how much fun you guys had when you're you're talking to each other and um, just envisioning her talking uh, all cashed out. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yep. So Christina Woods is a citizen of the Boys Fort Band and the executive director of the Duluth Art Institute. And if you want to check out the play that Christina is in, The Unplugging by Yvette Nolan, and those performances run through September 19th, and it's outdoors, as you heard her say, so bring a chair and uh, some sunscreen or something. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Stay weather aware. Yes. (laughs) I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Giga Wabman. Giga Wabman.
Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. If you want to hear more Native folks talking about their gifts and finding their purpose, search for Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine wherever you find podcasts and find all of Minnesota Native News' content at minnesotanativenews.org.